0: Merry Christmas. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn in them to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one. There on the seat back in front of you, you can grab that. There should be a table of contents at the front that can tell you how you can get to Luke. Um, for the next three weeks, we're going to be in this short Christmas series called pause Uh, we're going to cease from our regular series life in the gospel of john we'll be coming back to that january 7th but but for the next three weeks we're just going to take a breath here around the holiday reflect on christ delight in him and remember exactly why it is that we celebrate the christmas holiday and we're going to do that around three words: reconciliation, relationship, and rest and And I set out into this series thinking that each week would kind of be focused on each one of these, and it's all just kind of blended together so So we'll get a little bit of all of that every single week. Um, let's start this way would you would you bow your heads with me here just for a moment? and we're going to start with some some prayers of of preparation here. Uh, we all come in here with different things, right? We all come in here with life swirling around us, holiday plans, full work schedules. Maybe you bring some worries and some fears in today that you're, that you're wrestling with. There's always so much sorrow even around the Christmas holiday season, maybe you've got some financial difficulties that are weighing on you or some health concerns or maybe finals, whatever it is, just want us to take a minute and ground ourselves, root ourselves right here. We are embodied people in a place, in time, and God has sovereignly brought you to this room this morning. And so we're just going gonna to take a minute and prepare our hearts to hear from the Lord. I've got a friend who every time he goes to pray, he takes this really deep breath. It's just like... And for a while, for me, it was super awkward in a quiet room. And I've never asked him why he does it, but I think is what he's doing is he's preparing himself to talk with God. And just rooting himself in that moment. And maybe this morning, you just need to take a breath. In fact, maybe it's the, First breath you've knowingly taken this week, which is a testimony in and of itself to the grace of God. And here's what we're going to do just for a minute we're going to pray. And if you're here and you're not familiar with prayer, like we can talk to God through our thoughts, through quiet whispers and you right where you're at can have a conversation with him. And here's what I'd I'd love for us to do. Whatever, Whatever that thing is that's trying to grab hold of your heart and your thoughts right now, whatever that is that could be a potential obstacle to you being right here with this faith family, under God's word, would you ask the Lord to work in that first and then yield it to him? Just hand it over to his capable hands for the next 25 minutes so that you can be right here. And then ask the Lord if he would help you to be able to focus and enjoy him and delight in him and reflect as a faith family. Just, just take a minute, right where you're at, you and the Lord to do that. And I'll close this in a second. Lord, you've given us full lives, full hearts. There are moments, there are moments when as an act of faith, individually and corporately as a church, we need to to pause and reflect and focus on you. So would you help us to do that this morning? Lord? Quiet our anxious thoughts, calm our fearful hearts and allow us by your grace through your spirit in our midst to be right here and to hear from you and to revel in your beauty this morning. In your precious name, amen, amen, amen. All right, Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two, we're gonna see here, we're gonna read the first 20 verses and we're gonna see, first of all, peace is announced here, peace is announced. Luke chapter two, verse one, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, that's the hardest name to say, was governor of Syria. I mean, don't just skim past this in, in reading of scripture and think because that's only there in three words that it was somehow quiet and peaceful and just perfect. This is, this is a young woman giving birth to a child in a manger at a time when there was a 50% mortality rate with children. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. As I, as I looked at this passage of scripture this week, meditated on it, and thought, Lord, what would you have me teach from here? There's one verse that stood out to me that I wrestled with so much, and it's verse 14 the angels show up and they're worshiping glory to God in the highest. And they make this announcement, peace on earth, peace on earth to those, to those on whom his favor rests. And I couldn't get past it because I thought, where's the peace? Peace. Where is it? There's no peace even here currently at this moment in time when Jesus is being born into. When a new king shows up on the scene, typically the ruling king gets grouchy about it. And Herod did. We see in Matthew, he hears about the birth of Jesus. So what's he do? He starts murdering children trying to get to Jesus. There's no peace. There's no peace now. There's no peace in our world. There's no peace in Ukraine. There's no peace in Israel and Palestine and Haiti. Not only that, there's no peace in our country. We're filled with anger and hate and division. There's no peace in our city. I opened up the news this morning just to see more people hurting more people. You might be like, Nate, there's no peace in the church either. There's not even peace amongst God's people. We're angry, we're petty, we're selfish. There's no peace in my home, Nate. No peace between me and my spouse. No peace between the kids. No peace between the kids and us. Our pets don't even like each other in my house. <laughs> and maybe you're here and you're like, there's no peace in my soul either, Nate. Where's the peace? Isaiah 48 says, there is no peace for the wicked. This, this is our reality. We feel we feel the weight of the brokenness in our world because we live, in, we live in a world that's hostile not just towards each other, but ultimately it's hostile towards, towards God. And, and it's not just in the world. It wasn't just Ben. It wasn't just Herod. It's us too. We receive news that a king has shown up who's going to establish his kingdom on earth, and he's going to start with us. And our first reaction is typically, No thanks. I'm the only one that rules in me. Because that's sin talking in us. Because apart from Christ, we live in rebellion against God because we're sinners. We're sinners by nature. We're born into it because of the sin of Adam. And we are sinners by choice. We choose to rebel against him. And so back to my question, is there any hope of peace? And as believers, we we should know the answer to that. Yes, there is hope. We can know peace ultimately and presently in this life, but, but I'm not seeing it. So how can this say peace on earth, peace announced? Here's why, because peace is a person, that's why. Peace is incarnate in the flesh. 700 years prior to Jesus's birth, The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 9, 6, he prophesies this. He says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Luke chapter 2 tells us that peace arrives in the person and the work of Jesus Christ the prophesied Messiah arrives and his rule will be a rule that brings and establishes peace, particularly in two ways. One, peace between God and mankind and peace between people. He has come to accomplish peace. That's why he's here. The prince of peace took on human form, and we see in Colossians chapter 1, for this purpose, to reconcile all things to himself. Uh, The word reconciliation, it's the the idea of bringing people back into a right relationship. It's, It's changing someone from being an enemy to being a friend. Like, Nate, I thought we were just talking about reconciliation. Why are we talking about about peace? Because peace is the result of reconciliation. And Jesus came to deal with the conflict ultimately between God and humanity. Now, typically, when we think about reconciliation, we think okay, this party has somehow wronged this party. And now they need to be made right with them, and they need to be made right with them. Here's the difference in this relationship with God. He has done nothing wrong in this relationship. He is holy. He is perfect. Our sin separates us from him. Our rebellion makes us his enemies. And because of that, we deserve only his just wrath for our sin. And we we need to be restored to a right relationship with God because we are the transgressors. So how? How does the, the Prince of Peace accomplish this and make possible reconciliation? Jesus does this through the cross. Christmas begins what is finished on Good Friday. The incarnation, God in the flesh, leads to the crucifixion where Jesus deals decisively with sin on the cross. He pays, he pays our penalty. His substitutionary death satisfies God's just wrath for our sins. Colossians chapter one, verse 19 and 20 says this, for in him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So how? How can we be reconciled to God? He's come to accomplish this, but but how? How do I receive his peace? By grace, through faith in him, that's how. When we turn from our sins and trust in the Prince of Peace, he saves us and he reconciles us to God. As 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's this great exchange that happens between us and Christ, he takes all of our sin on himself on the cross. He takes our penalty. He takes the just wrath of God in our place. And you know what he gives us? He gives us his righteousness so that now when we trust him, we're seen only in Christ's righteousness. His perfect record of obedience Is credited to our account. Romans 5 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified, declared right with God, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Only through the blood of Jesus can we be reconciled in relationship with God and begin to experience and enjoy his peace in us, in our souls. And Jesus gives us his peace by giving us himself. If you've placed your trust in Christ, you are no longer his enemy. You are his friend. And then he gives you, God with us is God with us. He gives you his spirit to dwell in you, to help and comfort and grow us in Christ's likeness so that the fruits of his spirit will be produced in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We believers, we have been reconciled to God. Ultimately, that is what we celebrate at Christmas. The incarnation that led to the crucifixion and the resurrection which leads to our salvation. Let's do this, would you bow your heads again with me? We're gonna do this a couple of times. Here's what I'd love us to do here for for a minute. Prayers, prayers between you and God Of gratitude. Reflecting on what he has accomplished on your behalf. Expressing your thankfulness and your praise to him for doing what you could not do for yourself. Reconciling you to God. Saving you. Praising for His love, praising for the gift of his spirit, praising for eternal life. Spend a minute, believers, just in gratitude before the Lord. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you haven't yet placed your trust in him, you are an enemy of God. But the hope is this, If you will trust him, he will save you. So maybe these next few minutes for you are prayers of faith where you repent of your sin You ask his forgiveness and you confess your trust in him, your belief that he is the son of God who came and died so that you might be reconciled to God. And if you ask him to save you this morning, he promises he will do that. Prayers of gratitude, prayers of faith, just for a minute and I'll close with. Father, thank you for pursuing us when we were not pursuing you. Lord, thank you that we have access to you because of Jesus Christ. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for taking on flesh. To live in perfect obedience when we couldn't. To take the wrath of God in our place. Thank you that you didn't stay in the grave, but you rose from the dead in victory. Lord, save and sanctify and help us by your spirit. You are worthy of all praise. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Last thing, last thing that we see this morning is this. It's peace extended. Peace extended now, now, as believers, now that we have the peace of, of God in us. Sometimes we look out and we expect that peace to be in the world, but we don't see it. Our world still groans under the bondage to sin. But here's what's incredible. We see across the New Testament in Colossians, in Romans, in Revelation, throughout this promise that one day that will be different. When Jesus returns, he will, as Colossians tell us, reconcile all things to himself. He will make all things new. He will establish his perfect rule in the new heavens and the new earth right here. And there will be no more tears. There will be no more wars. There will be no more murder. There will be no more hate, no more bitterness, no more anger, and no more injustice. And the Prince of Peace will rule over his reconciled people in his reconciled creation. And we long for that day. We pray that the Lord hasten that day. We hope that it is today, but it's not yet. So then what? Until then, until then, we are meant to extend his peace that he has accomplished in us. We are meant to extend his peace to the world We're meant to extend his peace, his reconciliation in our country, in our church, in our homes. We have been reconciled to God and now we are given a ministry of reconciliation to to others, particularly in, in, in two ways. One, we're not called to go out appealing to people with the gospel to be reconciled to God. A second Corinthians chapter four, it says this, I believed and so I spoke. I believed, therefore I spoke. I believed I was reconciled to God. So you know what I did? I told of his reconciliation. I proclaimed it to others. Um, I've been having all kinds of conversations with random people over this month in random places, in the coffee shops and in the supermarkets. Yep, I'm that guy. And, And it's been so fascinating how many people are willing to have conversations with you about Christmas. But it's also fascinating to see how few people make any connection between the Christmas holiday and Christ. And as I thought about this, I'm like, there's two ways that I could go about this. One, I could come at it and go, well, that's our culture, going to pot. It's all going to hell in a handbasket, right? Or, or we could look at that and say, what an opportunity, what a chance that I have in this random conversation to share the gospel with someone by simply telling them why I celebrate Christmas, right? And what I've been saying is typically, and I'd encourage you, I'd encourage you, think about this. Wait, why do we celebrate? Christmas. Because if someone asks me, and they will, by the way, if you engage in those conversations, right? If somebody asks me, what will I tell them? What would I tell them? And I've simply been saying, listen, we celebrate at Christmas the birth of Jesus, but then just don't, don't stop there, right? Because who's Jesus? Well, he's the son of God who became human. Okay, but don't stop there. For what purpose? He lived, he died, he rose from the dead to reconcile us to God, to forgive our sin and to give us eternal life. Right, that's why we exchange gifts. That's why we've got smiles on our faces. That's why we put lights up. That's why we worship together as a church. Can I tell you more about that? Can I show you? from God's word. How can I be praying for you? Hey, thanks for my coffee, <laughs> right? And there's, there's a verse this, this month that has been just my favorite around the holiday that just makes this beautiful connection between why Jesus actually came. And it's Hebrews chapter two, verse 14 and 15. It says this, since the children, God's children have flesh and blood, he too, Christ, Shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free, free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. We have been reconciled because of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. We need to share that message of reconciliation. But not only that, not only that, but because God was with us in the incarnation and because he is now with us in our salvation, because he came in the flesh and now gives us his spirit, we're different because of it. He changes us. And we ought to be a people that ooze. I love that word, it's so graphic. We ought to be a people that ooze reconciliation to other people. We ought to be overflowing with peace to others, and that ought to start right here in our midst and then go out to the world. In Colossians chapter three, it says that God's chosen ones as his people were meant to be characterized by compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience, forgiving each other as the Lord is forgiving us, loving and letting the peace of Christ rule In our hearts, does that describe you? Does that describe you? And if not, why not if you have Jesus Christ? Here's what I'd love us to do one last time if you would bow your heads with me and we're gonna close out this way. And let's take a minute around some prayers of reconciliation. Reconciliation maybe you need a minute to ask the lord for his forgiveness because rather than be being characterized by his peace you've been the alternative to that and maybe believer you need to take this minute and ask the lord to grow in you increasingly that meekness and that humility and that joy And then here's what I'd love us to do. I'd love you to think about someone. Someone that you need to be reconciled to. Maybe that's someone in your family. Maybe that's a coworker. Maybe that's someone in our church. Maybe that's a stranger that you watch on TV and you absolutely hate them. Who is that person? And here's what I'd love us to do. Pray that God would change your heart towards them. Pray that by God's power, you would be able to extend forgiveness and kindness and reconciliation to that person. And then would you spend the last part of that praying for them? praying that God would be at work in them, reconciling them to himself if he hasn't yet done that and working in them the fruits of his spirit if they're a believer also. Spend a minute, just a minute praying around that and then I'll close us as we go into worship. Lord, make us, please make us a people so grateful for our reconciliation. So filled by your spirit with love and joy that we just ooze that reconciliation to others. Or make us a people quick to forgive, to love. Make us a people quick to point others towards the reconciliation that's only found in you, Lord. And I'd ask that these prayers that we've had around people that we know we need to be reconciled to, would they not just be prayers? Would we now, this week, Lord, Go with you. Seek these people out and be ministers of reconciliation. Whether that is through gospel proclamation or through asking or extending forgiveness, whatever that needs, Lord. Would we put our feet to that in an act of faith and go be that in our world? Would we grab a hold of and love the fact that you have now... After working peace in us by your grace, you have called us to be the way that this peace spreads to a broken world, Lord. Father, I'd ask that we wouldn't even leave here today until we seek out an opportunity to be encouraging to someone else. The angels, when they came that night before they pronounced peace, what they said was glory to God in the highest. They worshiped because of the incarnation, because of God with us, because we have been reconciled to you, because of your finished work, because of the peace that we now have. Because of you, Lord, we end this morning worshiping. You and you only are worthy of our worship.